2: Hey, this is Doug Flynn, former New York Met and Gold Glove winner, and you're listening to the
1: Mike Safo Podcast. The glue. Cheers, my friends.
2: You too, buddy. Good to meet you. after Finally. Finally. I mean, this social media dating is tough.
1: It's like a this is like a blind date. It's a year it really since we've like been uh, blind we've been texting now for a year. I'm
2: a little disappointed, but it really is like a blind date. See, you know.
1: and you exceeded my expectations. You look good. You're wearing the Doug Flynn uh, sweatshirt. Yeah, you're wearing the cowboy hat. You look good.
2: The Mets see this and they go, "The glue." What in the world? I said, "Well, I only had a two-year contract being the glue." So when they traded me over here, my contract had and you
1: won two rings with the glue, so you're allowed to keep the glue.
2: Yeah, you know how that came about, don't you?
1: I actually don't. Really? I really don't.
2: We're in a dude. They did one of the statue presentations in uh, Cincinnati. So I emceed a banquet the night before. And they introduced uh, the starting eight. Never got them all together since we won. So there, we bring them all up on stage. And then I might have had a glass of wine. (laughs) And I said, there they are, ladies and gentlemen, the most overrated group of ballplayers in the history of the game. There's about 500 people out there looking at me like, where's he going with this? And I said, well, let's do a little history. In 1970, those guys over there got beat by Baltimore in the World Series. In 1972, those guys over there got beat in the World Series by Oakland. 73, the Mets beat them in the playoff. 74, they disappear. I got here in 75, we won. I was here in 76, we won. They traded me in 77, didn't win again. You do the math. And some guy <laughs> is that really how it came that, out? <laughs> that's how it came out. And the guy in the back hollers, the glue. So what I did is I always wanted to do something to help military. I mean, my mm-hmm. brother being a police officer – and..." And me not serving, I always wanted to find some way to give back. So what I do is I sell these shirts, and all the proceeds go to Hope for the Warriors, which is a military charity to take care of uh, families in the military. Oh, really? Yeah. That's really cool. So you got a freebie today, my friend. Anything free. If If it's free, it's for me. yes. Cameron Mills ever give you anything?
1: And this is the truth, Doug, and I know he's going to listen. He's never given me one thing for free. And you've known
2: him for a long time.
1: Uh, Four years now.
2: Four years and nothing.
1: Nothing. And do you want to know? Uh, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you How the, much
2: did he charge you for that picture you got on the wall of him?
1: Oh, he oh, pay shipping and handling, he exes. That's what he exes me. But well, listen, that do, that surprised do you want to hear what bothers me? So Cameron comes up, and we have a good time. He goes down there, and uh, I get him all stuff. I know he's a Seinfeld fan, so I go to Seinfeld Diner. I get him all Seinfeld memorabilia. I get him a plaque made up, like an NYPD police plaque, like a great wow. friend, a great person, a man of God. Like I really go all out. And I said, you know what? I'm not a memorabilia guy. I said, but you know what? It, it, I tell my friends, it would be nice if I had like a, a Kentucky, a real Kentucky jersey. Yeah. So I said, Cam, I'm coming down there. Can you lay out all your jerseys? I want to look at them. I put them on. I'm like, this is amazing. I think he's going to say, bro, take one. Take
2: Shorts, one. sneakers. Because we know at UK, they get eight or 10 a yeah. year, right?
1: Now. He has a box of them. He's like, yeah, they're really cool, right? Click, click, click. All back in the box. And to this day, he actually got me into a private Kentucky practice with Coach Cal, which was, listen, it was tremendous. Mm-hmm. I find out he didn't really make he made one initial call, but he still wrote on that. He's like, Mike, Mike, I got you the best gift of all, a Kentucky practice. I found that he really didn't even do it. He was just there. Oh, you know, that's that's a little disappointing.
2: I don't know Cameron since he's a little kid because mm-hmm. his dad and I go way back to college days. And uh that's a little disappointing. But you know, those of us that are getting annoying really not too surprised. No, no
1: no one's surprised. And listen, we're at Dempsey's here and the bartender heard freeloading and Doug, what'd you say? First
2: thing you said, You talking about Cameron? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right i want to talk about the reds and the kentucky ties but we're in new york we're gonna get back to the whole story but you you win two titles with the reds you get traded to the mets yeah, what's buddy. your welcome to new york moment <laughs> you're a kentucky guy kentucky cincinnati now let's welcome to new york moment
2: oh it was special man you know come in and in cincinnati we had to wear our hair very short we had those ankle choker uh stirrups that we wore with our uniform yeah. <laughs> so i get to new york i get to pull my socks up i can start letting my hair grow a little bit longer. Uh, you know, the uniform, you can actually kind of class it up. It was the 70s, and in the 70s, we did a lot of things that really looked ugly, but we thought we were cool. So we get the uniform ready, walk out of the dugout in Shea Stadium, a, a ballpark that I had played a lot in because with the Reds, when we would come up here, I'd usually get the bat off of Tom Seaver or Matt Lack or Kuzma, one of those guys. So I was used to playing in the field, but I wasn't used to being in that dugout. So i walk out on the field, very comfortable, very confident, very proud, wearing a Mets uniform, the great history of the New York Mets, and I hear... Mr. Flynn. Uh, Mr. Flynn, wow, because I didn't think, that's nice. All of a sudden, I'm getting greeted by someone, and it's Mr. Flynn. So I turned around as a kid, probably in his 20s or so, and I went, hey, how you doing, partner? And he said, you suck. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much.
1: I didn't know he knew me that well, but evidently he did. (laughs) And now you realize, shit, I'm in New York City. I'm in New York. That's right.
2: You know what I found out, though? Everybody asked me, how did you play it there? It's the greatest place in the world to play Mm -hmm. if you're an athlete or probably for anything. But if you'll keep your mouth shut, play hard, you don't have to play great. The people will respect you and they'll pull for you. But if you start making excuses and alibiing and getting in a lot of trouble and stuff, uh, they'll bury you. You know that. It's
1: true. You'll get a player who can be great and who's kind of cocky, who doesn't do it really well, and they hate him. You yep. can get a player who's not that good, but every play he's running 50 miles. he's going all Just out, play hard. and they love you. They And they love you forever, too. They They do. They don't forget the players. They really don't. No,
2: and you know, I do the Mets Fantasy Camp now, so every year I go do a week down in Florida at Port St. Lucie with – and i got so many friends up here. Uh, We've really enjoyed coming back up because we were friends with first responders that are firemen that were uh, ladder one, engine seven, which is right down near ground zero. And uh, really didn't know that many guys that were cops, although my brother's a police officer. I figured, you know, that's enough. If you know one, you know them all. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's really cool to come back up here, and we're having a blast. And then... You and I've been corresponding for the last several months, and then a chance to come up and be at Dempsey's, which is a really cool place. So, if, if you're out there listening, folks, you got to come down here. This bar is outstanding. You got
1: to come here for a Kentucky game. You really oh, do. Yeah, it's it's worth do coming up on a, in March or the end of February. It's just an, a great environment because it's cold out. You come up here, nice and toasty. You watch the game. It's great.
2: Are there many Kentucky people who live here, or is it just that many Kentucky fans?
1: No, it's it's. I'm going to say just say a hundred people come. Eighty of them went to University of Kentucky. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a Kentucky, it's a Kentucky alumni place. Yeah, there's like a hierarchy here too. There's a president, a secretary, a treasurer, all. But and the requirements are, I think you have to you have to graduate from the University of Kentucky. You have to. Yeah, uh, it's okay, a whole. That, that's why I couldn't come back. <laughs> well, that's why you're not president.
2: Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. When, well, the, I could still come if I got. Oh, you my. can. Yeah,
1: come on. Okay, listen, okay, they okay. roll out the right carpet for you. Uh, yeah. When you <laughs> were up here, where'd you live in New York?
2: <laughs> well, I have two weeks here in the city. Um, and then down the village for two weeks till I found a place to live. Then I moved out to Queens and I lived there till I had two cars stolen. Uh, <laughs> so when people say I didn't give enough up here, I gave you two dadgum cars. I gave you a Corvette and a Broncos, so I don't want to hear that. Crap. Did it really get stolen? Oh yeah, <clears throat> one out of my parking garage. But then I found out that Bayside Queens is like the stolen car capital, capital of the world, it is. Julia. So, but that's I had. Uh, so you lived
1: down the village for two weeks. Was that wild? I think. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you when you were up here, did you have like a favorite hangout, like mm-hmm. a Doug? Where'd you go? Where was no, your no no watering hole that you went to all no, time? No, no Watering hole because I didn't
2: want to drive because I got scared that I couldn't keep a car. I mean, as soon as I got here, my car was gone in two months. So then I get another car and it's gone. I'm paying seventy five dollars a month to park at the apartment I live at, and I come down <laughs> one day and I look and I said, "Oh, I can tell my window's been broken." So I ease over and I look inside. The window was broken, they got in. And back in those days, you didn't have the stereos in the dash, you just had to hook it up underneath. And so they got there and and ripped it off. So I drive it to the ballpark and I'm really hot. And I got, who knows where I can get my window fixed and blah, blah, blah. And fortunately playing big league ball, they'll find somebody pretty quick to come over and fix your window for you. So I thought, so I go back that night and I go to the security guard and I said, man, I said, somebody busted my stuff out in the garage. And he goes, so what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> I went, All right, that ain't gonna happen. So I end up going upstairs. The next morning, I come down. The whole car is gone. Gone. Don't worry about the glass. Don't worry anymore. about the glass. They figured, well, this was easy. So they took the whole car. So I go up to. I look <laughs> over. This is true. And there's four guys or three guys sitting in a car, and they're they're kind of sitting down hiding. So I can only see the top of their head. So I go to the security guard, I said, don't let those guys leave. I go upstairs and get a bat. I get my bat, I start walking over this car like a crazy guy. Get out of the car! I'm screaming at these guys. Well, they get out and they don't speak a bit of English and they're scrambling. It's three of the workers that are sitting there having lunch break.
1: Oh, come on!
2: (laughs) And I'm sitting there hollering at them and, and finally I just said... You don't understand me. I don't understand you. So, so, but I never got my car. They found them. They found my, they didn't find the Corvette I had. I just got the Corvette when I was in saying. Now this is how smart we were back then. I'm making $16,000 a year. Mm-hmm. That's my salary playing big league baseball. So I gave eight. Then we win the world series and I get $14,000. So I take 7,000, give it to my mom and dad. I take 7,000 by Corvette. Really uh, smart move. That's a good investment move. Yeah, yeah, I had no money to pay for insurance, gas, <laughs> apartment, none of that stuff. But man. the car looked had, good. But I looked good. You looked really good. Yeah, in I was styling, man.
1: How, how yeah. hardcore was the New York media? Was it bad to you? They're bad
2: to everybody. Mm-hmm. They're tough, uh, right? They're they're consistent. Yeah, they're they're consistent. But uh, you find a few that you can trust and that you really respect, and if you you'll know whether to give them yes or no answers. Mm-hmm. Or, and then the other guys, you can elaborate. I mean, they. But I think for the most part, they were very fair. You just had a couple of guys that they hate everyone. They hate themselves. They do. They're unhappy in life. Unhappy in life. And so they got to rip you for whatever. I remember after I went to Gold Glove in 80, uh, 80, we go to spring training in 81. And uh, first game in spring training, playing the Phillies. So a guy hits a real hard ball at me, hits about three or four feet in front of me, takes a hop, comes up, hits me in the shoulder and in the jaw. Okay. They give me an error. I don't care. First game of spring training. Mm -hmm. A couple innings later, ball hitting a gap. I go out, I catch it. Guy's going to third. I make the throw as he's running. My ball hits off his hand and just sort of kicks off. So the guy who hit it goes on to second base. Error number two. Okay. So now I win a gold glove that year, first spring training game. I got two errors. Doesn't cost us any runs or nothing. But the headlines in the New York paper, golden boy, not so golden. Really? I'm thinking, wow. Wow. So I went to the writer and I went, you know, that didn't have anything to do with it. I said, why would you write something like that about me? I've never done anything to you. He said, oh, we don't do the headlines; we just write the story. Wow. And I went, that's a great cop out right there.
1: Well, that's like when Tori Tori wins in '96 with the Yankees, '98, '99, 2000, 2001. They lose Game Seven. Luis Gonzalez gets a base hit. Yeah. And in 2002, I remember the spring training. Like Joe, how can you come back from after last year? You guys got to do better. <laughs> He was one out away from the World (laughs) Series, (laughs) and they were like, you know, I know you have to improve on last year, and it's just how great was he though? Oh, Uh, I love. We loved. He was loved here, loved here till the end. Now remember, the sad thing is, after a while, it's like, all right, we need change. But he was loved in '96. He knew how to manage these guys. Oh, local guy. That's what they. That's all that matters. Local guy.
2: The local guys. I mean, you could tell the difference. I, I mean, Joe was our player manager when I first got here in '77, and then he ended up just being the manager after that, and then. They were dismantling our ball club so bad. They were taking all the guys away. I mean, they already got rid of Tom Seaver because that's when we came over. Then they got rid of Matt Lack, who went to Minnesota and won 20 games. Uh, I mean, not Matlack, but Jerry Kuzman. Okay. And then Matt Matlack uh, could still throw. But uh, they had, we had Mike Scott. Well, this was before Mike Scott became Mike Scott. The Mike Scott yeah. from the 86. With Jeff Reardon, who before he became Jeff Reardon. When he went to the Twins. Didn't he yeah. dominate with the Twins? Yeah. He ended up breaking all kinds of save records. Mm-hmm. And Scott learned how to throw that little cutter. <laughs> the, the scuffer they the, said uh, right yeah <laughs> No. <Nah. laughs> and then uh, so we had some talent there but we had a lot of young kids that were getting a chance to play and we weren't very good we had uh lee mm-hmm. nice player local from brooklyn was there in center field and uh then we went and got john Stearns, and i were both young uh me had kingman was there for a little while and then shortstop's like a revolving thing they had frank tavares for a little bit and Tim Foley for a little bit, and Lenny Randall's at third. And so they were really getting rid of all the team from 73 and starting to give us a chance to play. And there were some guys, and they weren't going to spend any money. Mm-hmm. That was obvious. Although, you know, you, the money thing is so ridiculous now. I, know, it's, I made 16-5 my first year, 19 my second year, because that's where the minimum went to. But you 19. played for the Reds,
1: won a championship. Mm-hmm. You didn't make millions and millions. <clears throat> no. That's and, a perception. You know, Everyone thinks that.
2: I know. Back then, you didn't uh, – and then on my third year, I went in and I'm thinking, all right, we got back-to-back World Series. I got an extra fourteen thirty thousand dollars in World Series share for two years, and they thought that was the bonus. So I went in and said, all right, I said I want twenty-five thousand. Oh, okay, twenty-three thousand. No, 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 Mr. Wagner. I said I want twenty-five thousand. Twenty-three thousand dollars. <laughs> you want to go home? So I said, oh, 23, sounds good. 23, so, you, you agree on 23? My third year in the big league at 23,000. And when you talked to the players today, they went, you all played 162 games for that kind of money? I went, what would you have done? Mm-hmm. You didn't have agents, and it was usually just year-to-year contracts. Wasn't a lot of multi-year deals. So the game has really changed. I think the minimum this year is 509 going to 580. And someone had the nerve to say, Would you like to still be playing, you think?
1: And you, wow. You, you know, the one thing, because baseball, college basketball and baseball, my two, like I wake up in the morning, that's all I care about. And, of course, Julia. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that a lot of players now he put that don't Mary. realize. Like You don't well, mind being third, do you? <laughs> oh, she knows. she. She's accepted. Oh, yeah, okay. No, she's accepted. Him. Like they don't realize what what like Kurt Flood and these guys did oh, for the wow. like you know. And it sucks. A lot of times you will bring up the name, like, oh okay, but like they don't he, know who he is. No, they don't know what he did. He, he lost his career. Yeah, the he, the reason they live in the penthouse on 50th is because of Kurt Flood. Exactly. That's, yeah, and
2: he, he's the very guy. I saw him years later in an old timers game, and he came by, and I mean, it was. All of us who were veterans that appreciate the game went up to him and just thanked him, mm-hmm. and it was so special to meet him because I never met him. I knew, you know, met Lou Brock, but played against Lou just a little bit. But I didn't know Kurt Flood at all, and he was a talented player. But when you these players today, I mean, they have no history. And what I agree, I don't care how much money you make. I think it's good because I went on three strikes, so you could make a good salary. Just have some respect for the game and for the guys that came before you. When people say, what would you be making now as an everyday second baseman, a gold glove winner? I went, I don't know. What would Clemente be making or Mays or Mantle? It's all real. That, that's so a great like, answer because
1: imagine what they would make yeah. in, in these days. So with I the numbers would they judge.
2: But the thing that that aggravates me is when I walk into a Reds clubhouse and you say hello to a couple of guys and they won't speak to you. Or you come up here, which the Mets don't bring me back up here anymore. Uh-huh. But it, when I'd come up here and they say, well, you're not allowed in the clubhouse. Oof. What? <clears throat> what? And and you, you want to bow up and say, all right, I'm not quite sure, but you don't have a whole lot of second basemen that won gold gloves. Yeah. Why do you not want to allow me to come in there just to say hello to the guys? But it's a new group of people that have taken over. Here's why I think it's really screwed up all pro sports, is when we allowed – when the players quit policing the game.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Because you look back, when I played, I don't care if, what team I was on. <clears throat> I hit a ball one year against the Pirates on AstroTurf. A little bloop, and it bounced real high. So I started to go to second, and I didn't go. I eased back towards first base, and then Willie Stargell was playing. He started backing up, and he just ran right over top of me. And I looked up at him, and I went, did you not see me? He said, oh, my fault, man. I thought you would have been on second. Good lesson. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I should have been. But he wasn't on my team. He was protecting the game. And now you see an argument, and the first thing they do is look in the dugout and then they'll go up to the front office, then they go to the league, and then you got a video, and you got all that crap going on. I don't like that. I don't like the way they change the game around, like the play at second base, the Utley play. Now everybody can turn a double play because you don't have to worry about getting hit. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody can stand in there at the plate now because you're not allowed to throw inside. I mean, it's a different like game. Like the
1: integrity of the game is gone. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the rules amongst the players are gone.
2: The That's right. The play at the plate, the Buster Posey rule. Now Buster had himself in a bad position. Great catcher, great talent. On that particular play, not in a good position, mm-hmm. he gets hurt. Now you change the whole rules about that. And how many times in the course of a game are we going to the video to check and see what's going on? I mean, somebody said, well, what would you do? Don't you want the play right? Yeah, get better umpires.
1: You're right. I mean, right.
2: that would be very simple, I would think. you got guys that are up there that have been there for 30, 40 years. Hey, thank you for your service. Now get some good guys that can come up and know the difference between a ball and a strike.
1: What do you think of the state of the game right now with the younger players? Are you, you enjoy the game now because you watch it completely no, different. You don't? I don't. I enjoy some of it.
2: I enjoy watching Houston. Houston this year showed me how the game could be played with enthusiasm, having fun, teamwork, pulling for each other. I like that. The game's become too individualized because of statisticians galore. We've come up with... The all Saban- all oh, the War. All this... What? No, are you kidding me? So everything now is a stat. You know, it's not a win and lose. It's, it's you know, what did you eat the day you had two eggs over medium and sausage links? <laughs> not patties, but links. And, and they got a stat for everything, and so guys are really conscious of it because people keep throwing it back up into their face instead of just letting them go out and play the game and have fun with it. That's one of the great things about when we played in the 70s. We weren't very good... But every night when we went to eat, there'd be three or four of us going out to dinner. Now you look at them, there are three or four of them. Attorney, Mm -hmm. nutritionist, uh, physical therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, you know. The camaraderie uh, of the
1: game is completely gone. It's not like
2: it used to be. In a lot of teams. And the team that can put that back together and have fun, like Houston the did wins. is the team that's going to win.
1: And that's really what it comes down to. It's, you know, the, the bottom I'm, line I'm is, a huge Yankee fan, and the Yankees, when they went through, I hate to say drought, but when they went win a championship for eight years, it was 22 individual players and maybe five team players. And that's yeah. the reason why. And you saw it on the field because the 96 team. A guy gets a base hit, the, Gita leads the whole crew. They're yeah. all giving high fives. Todd Frazier. Yeah, exactly. I love Todd. I mean, red that to, Yeah, Tom's River kid. Tom's yep.
2: River kid. Got to know him when he was in Cincinnati and uh, love him. Stay in touch with him. Matter of fact, on the games uh, – uh, after every game, I would text him, and he would text me back during the playoffs. So I love Todd. I just uh,
1: he's loved here too. You know they love oh, him the way be. he plays.
2: I, they Henry love, signed back, has he?
1: No, well he's a free agent right now. They want no, he him. Is a free agent, the okay. Yankees want him for like a one year deal because uh, the Yankees yeah. want Manny Machado, of course, of course. Who but doesn't? They they love Todd Frazier. He I'm telling yeah. you, he can bat 220. No one cares about his stats. That's right. Because you want to, and that's a perfect example. No one said, oh, what's Frazier batting 223. Yeah, because when. A base hit in the gap. He's taken First two. He's right. not, He's always dirty. He's the they, the love right they love him.
2: They love and, him. And that's not fake. When you see that stuff, that is genuine. Like we went on a cruise with him. They got a thing called Quest on this cruise, and you pick these team leaders, and they do all these goofy stuff. He has no inhibitions, and he is nuts. And I love <laughs> him. He and Jackie and the whole
1: family are just – Great, great people. So
2: I hope he stays back. You know what's great to, I have and like, I can't believe I was actually pulling for the Mets because of him. No, listen, I mean, for the, the Yankees.
1: Yankees. Like I have notes. We're completely. This is so much better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> but I'll tell you what's funny about Todd Frazier. After the game, they would do the interview on and he would be up there laughing, having fun. Yeah. You know, the other guys are in there, and They give like I'm a Jeter guy. He gives such Jeter answers. Uh, it was a team, but Frazier's like, no, it was great. We, he's he's honest. He 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 loves the game. He he's still it's still like the Tom's River kid. And uh, I was like 99 when they won the World Series. Oh, yeah. You still see the joy of that kid. I love him.
2: I, you know, I've never met Jeter, but I remember asking Tori one day we were at some function, and I said, "Tell me about Derek Jeter." I said, "Is he as good as it seems?" And he went, "Nah, <laughs> it's better." Yeah. <laughs> and I went, "Wow," because and and you know guys like him, uh, Kirby Puckett, you know, God rest him. He's Kirby Puckett played the game the right way. When you see people that are out there and they're – especially the superstars, the Mike Trouts, Mm -hmm. the guys that are great players but they're still playing the game and having fun, there's 1% of those guys that have so much ability. The rest of us are smucks. we got 99% of us. We're just trying to survive. You know, we just – we were very blessed to get an opportunity to play and to stay for any length of time. You know, we're very fortunate. Uh, But when you see that 1% that should be the leaders in the game, and that's what I'm starting to look for, the guys like the Altuves, and the judge is a little young right now, but Todd Frazier's getting some years. These guys got to take our game back from mm. the clowns that are sitting in there on the computers. I'm not a sabermetric. fan. Oh, oh, it kills and, me. And that's where it's going to with most of the ball clubs. Okay.
1: I'm going to tell you one last, and I want to get back to the re- – I hate the, I love that we got off topic. Tra- Have you, a got, topic. you to your
2: notes at all yet? Uh,
1: yes, it said Hello, the glue. Doug <laughs> <Flynn>. <laughs> the glue. The um, glue. I'm sorry. No, this is exactly what I'd rather do. It. It's just two guys at a bar drinking beer talking. But you know what I loved? When Gita— Wait, You have to preface that. I am not drinking a beer. Bloody Mary. Thank you. Because it's early in the morning. We're, we're taping this at 12 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's left the bar. We're still hanging in here. When, when G, Gita was— When they won 2009, um, the Yankees won the playoffs. And I remember the newspapers would write a story— Yankees can't win because no shortstop over the age of 35 with a range of .73. And I remember reading him like, yeah, Gita's going to get a base hit, though, with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. And, the and sab- he'll make the play that's hit yeah, to him, too. That sabermetrics, oh, I, I hate it. it you
2: know, Sabermetrics, it doesn't measure your heart. It doesn't measure your head.
1: But the guys me- that, are, that
2: are locked into it.
1: And remember, Doug, when it's – you're a game in May 18th in San Diego. It's no big deal. When you're in New York, but October yeah. 7th, the fans are screaming at you. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't care if you bet 3.30. You're f- Let's Clayton Kershaw, I'm the biggest Kershaw mm-hmm. guy in the world. When it comes down to it, he gets a little jittery on the mound. And, I'm, hey, and I love him. And May, the play the people here.
2: But that was so good. If you can play here, man, he
1: just – and they keep you honest.
2: And they're mm-hmm. knowledgeable of the game. And you, you can't – as an athlete, you've got to love that. And it's like, I don't know what Tito Fuente said one time. He said, you know, you play ball in New York. He said, you go for 4, you, everybody in the world know it. You go 4 for 4, everybody in the world know it. So – it's the same, you know, it's it's Pedro, Mar- I loved
1: it. Pedro Martinez was on WFAN here with Mike Francesa and he said he was in Boston and the media's on them. He said the difference with New York is that they'll call up and be like, "Can you believe it was a 2-1 count and so and so bunted?" And they said they went 20 minutes on if they should have bunted at the f- they went pitch by pitch. And no <laughs> other no other city in, in the world does that. They it was 2-1. Why? I want to know right now why Lenny Dykstra is bunting 2-1. Yeah. And then that's what they break down pitch by pitch.
2: I know. Well, walk down the streets. There's no other town in America you walk down the streets and you're going to see that memorabilia worn on people's heads or jackets or whatever. I mean, it's don't see a lot of Mets stuff. See a lot of Yankee
1: stuff. Yeah, you know. Don't in much in fairness, though, it's split. A few years ago, when it was when the Mets really the Mets when they went to World Series yeah. with the Royals, there was a lot of Mets stuff, a lot of new Mets stuff. You can tell it was new mm-hmm. stuff. I'm a diehard fan. So that's a Harvey jersey and the tag's still on it. Don't tell me that. <laughs> that was,
2: yeah, it looked like they were going to go to World Series for years in a row back mm-hmm. then. And then you never know. That's, and that's another thing that's the beauty of the game. You just don't know to tee it up.
1: All right. Now we're going to, we did the New York thing. Because I went on Wikipedia, and because I try not to read. Too- oh, and
2: they never make a mistake. I was going
1: to say the internet never lies, Doug.
2: I know, and I, like when it had me for years, born in Albany, New York.
1: Oh, yeah. wait, hold on, that. I was going to say growing <laughs> up in Albany,
2: but. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Well, you should know that when you hear me talk.
1: Yeah, and the cowboy hat.
2: And the cowboy hat. But it is for in the oh, morning. Oh, you talking about getting some looks. We're I... thinking about opening a Western store up here. Oh, you would kill it. Because I don't it. know if people are looking at us like, look at those two clowns or, eh, ain't a bad look. So. But you know,
1: it's funny. If you walk down to the village where you used to live, sir, where'd you buy that? They'll buy it off you because they would think that's a new hip style. It's oh. like, we saw two dudes. That's a new style we're getting oh, in. We a...
2: One of your cops stopped us the other day and he says, y'all ain't real cowboys because you don't have your boots on, we said. <laughs> Yeah, it's because we got blisters on our feet from walking <laughs> yesterday in our boots. That's why. <laughs>
1: so now I, I try never to do too much research because I don't want to be like a generic interview. No, correct. You when you give me something to Go say, ahead. right? Is this true to you? No. <laughs> it's all bull crap. <laughs> you played. Did you walk on Kentucky basketball? Because here's the deal. I, okay. They had signed
2: a guy to play basketball in Kentucky that was, uh, his name was Rick Derrickson, great baseball player. From the time he committed to the University of Kentucky, he ended up being drafted by the Cleveland Indians. So he signed a contract with the Indians. So there came time for school to start in the fall. I had no scholarship offers out of high school. And I get a call from Coach Joe Hall. Well, Doug, this is Joe B. Hall. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, we'd like for you to play basketball at the University of Kentucky. And I went, all right. All of my friends imitated Coach Hall and Coach Rupp. Okay. I mean, everybody did. So I said, I'll play along. Well, Coach, you know, I just got off the phone with Coach Wooden, and um, I'm just really – I'm narrowed it down to you guys and, and uh, UCLA. And I hung up the phone. So the phone rings a little bit later, and I hear my dad say, hey, Joe. No. He did what? He hung up on you. Uh, no, I don't know why. He's, he seems all right. He didn't say. And he said, no, we'll be home. So my dad comes in and said, what would you hang up on Coach Hall for? I said, I didn't know that was Coach Hall. He said, well, he and Dickie Parsons, who was a baseball coach, were coming over. So he came over, and because they'd signed four guys to play basketball, uh, scholarship guys, their fifth guy was supposed to be their point guard signed to go to Cleveland. So it was late in the year, all the players they wanted. I was a local kid that needed somebody to be a point guard. They offered me a basketball scholarship. If it didn't work out, I'd get a baseball scholarship. As it turned out, I started every game on the basketball team uh and then under coach hall <laughs> under coach hall a freshman couldn't play varsity back then but the varsity team had dan isle mike pratt they ranked number one in the country so we scrimmaged them every day so i go to the baseball team only got nine at bats and when i went to the coach and asked him why he said i just don't think you're big enough or strong enough or, or quick enough to play division one ball and he was probably right because i was five eight and 145 pounds so I went to a junior college the next year, and I grow two or three inches and gained a little bit of weight and started maturing a little bit. And then, so you left Kentucky? Yeah. Then they had, and then I went to a tryout camp. Is how I signed.
1: Because so wait, you left, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, because mm-hmm. you so you left Kentucky basketball playing in Coach Hall mm-hmm. to go to junior college. But you love baseball that much, or no, you throw just, more? I,
2: they they helped get rid of me. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> There's a way that if they don't want you, they can they can usher you out of the system. And uh, I got ushered out of the system. Okay.
1: Uh, is it true that you actually really went to a Reg tryout? Cause yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. yeah. So Four you go to a Reg tryout and you make the team? Well, I that... had
2: some friends woke me up. I had the only car. I, th- the I thought college. this was a bullcrap story, but no, I read it. Okay. Hey, Brad will attest to that. Of course, if I lie, he's, his job is to be here and cover it up anyway. So, But I had a, I had a 61 mm. Corvair in 1970. Was it stolen? <clears throat> Nobody. <laughs> it. I stole it. I paid $200 for my uncle, Chigger. And uh, I drove down to the, so I had the car. And if you've never seen a 61 Corvair, the engine is in the back. So when people say, what's under your hood, you'd say, a spare tire. (laughs) So I would drive. So my friends woke me up to go to Richmond, Kentucky, because where I went to school was dry. So we wanted to go to a wet place and hear some little group called The Exiles play. And for those of you who don't know who that is, they are now exiled. They had a song called, I Want to Get You All Over.
1: You don't know that one? I don't listen to music. (laughs) You, I I, yes, oh yeah. I don't Oh, live.
2: Cameron might have been right about you. Yeah, you, I, don't I don't listen know. to music ever. Like ever. You, you never heard Kiss You All Over? No.
1: Did you ever see um oh. it's been used in a couple of movies. You're gonna get mad I don't watch movies. I've only seen maybe ten movies my whole life. I only watch sports and documentaries and I read books. Yeah, I don't watch movies.
2: You want of them educated fellas, huh? You, no,
1: no, 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 no. Oh. But I don't watch like I just watched The Godfather for the first time and we're we gonna guy. pull
2: up Kiss You All Over for you before I leave here. I'll pull it up, All okay. Right. So Exile is Dude, playing pull, in town. And uh, we so the, my boys drink a little bit, which is called exile.
1: Exile, kiss yep. you all over.
2: And uh, they they'd had a few. So we're coming back home now. They've all got we got five cases of beer and five things of whiskey because you can get if you have a case and a fifth, you can't get caught for uh, bootlegging. Is that correct, Brad? I don't know.
1: So, <laughs>
2: okay, right. so well, let's assume that <laughs> for for the story's purposes. So we so get pulled went, over. You went from
1: personal consumption. That's a, you. Yeah. That's pers- okay. Okay.
2: So uh, <laughs> we're driving back, and uh, we get pulled over, and the cops get to. He says, "Sit out of the car." I step out. He said, "You've been drinking?" I said, "No, sir." He said, "Are those guys drinking?" I went, boy, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes sir, <laughs> <laughs> I bet you." <laughs> and he started laughing. He said, "I said I'm the designated driver. I said it's my car." He said, uh, "How come the front end of your car is sitting down a little bit low?" And I went. <clears throat> Well, we got some alcohol in there. And he said, do you mind if I see it? And I went, no, sir. So I opened up the trunk. and He saw it, and there's five, five of us, five cases of beer, five bits of whiskey. And uh, he said, all right. He says, you seem like you're right. And I said, well, we're all going to college, blah, 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 So we get back home. The next one. it's on Friday night. Saturday night, there's a knock at my door. It's the same guys. Come on, Doug. We're going to try out for the Reds. All right. That's just what you did back then. You want to do it. Let's do it. Okay. We get to the ballpark. Anybody got a glove? Anybody got a pair of spikes? One of the guys did. They said, Doug, you go first. They never had any intention of going. I had started to grow and mature. was playing some softball. They'd see me play some softball and thought, well, if anybody can do it, he might have a shot. So that was the first one. The scout came to me. A pair of shorts, cut off shorts, tank top, a headband on. scout said, you're not real serious about this, are you? And I went, no, sir, those guys bet me I wouldn't do it. He said, I'd like to see you again in Frankfort, Kentucky. I go back to Frankfort. Then I go back to Riverfront Stadium. Then they come back to Lexington, and I signed for $2,500 and got an opportunity to play pro ball.
1: So just out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. That's incredible. It is. It really is. It's a pretty good story. Now, when you go into the clubhouse, because I Mm -hmm. want to hear more behind the scenes. You walk in, you're 23, 22?
2: When I make the club, Uh, club? 24. 24, you walk in. No, it's 23. I hadn't turned 24 yet.
1: 23, it's Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, Ken Griffey senior
2: yeah how do you johnny bench
1: and i told julia in, okay, i'm like he played with king jr Gr- i'm like no no julia Ken <laughs> jr played 50 years so you walk <laughs> in with all these guys are you just starstruck like holy shit Well, when, like, I, when I first
2: like, go to the minor league camp i i didn't know there wasn't all those guys they were already a step ahead of me so i i see uh it, it, when i went down there and made the big league club the nats when it really got a little bit of uh because i got invited to the big league camp and that's when I saw all those guys. I played my first year. I had a lousy year. Uh, the first, <clears throat> the, first, year the first year in the major. First year in the major league is seventy-two. I'm at, uh, I'm at rookie league ball, yeah. and while I'm at rookie league ball, yes, you're. And they say, Doug, can you play third base? And I went, yeah. So I go up to, I go from rookie league ball up to class A, and they put me at third base. Well, I never played third in my life, so I'm out there, and my manager's Russ Nixon. He goes, Doug. Back up. No, move in. No, come over here. No, what are you doing, Doug? The inning's over with, and he calls me and says, you never played a game of third in your life, have you? I went, nope. He said, well, what you tell him you could play third for? I said, because I was moving from rookie ball to Class A. For you to say, can you catch? I said, yeah, I could catch. So he liked me. So that year I struggled in 1972. We go to spring training in 73. There's no way I'm going to be moved up, because I didn't play that good where I was. And about two weeks before we broke camp, they moved me to double A ball, which was a step up. Okay. And... I got to there, and then I was able to make an all-star team and get an MVP on the team. And then next year, I went to Triple A and got MVP on the team and made the all-star team. And uh, so now you're thinking, all right, I'm in Triple A ball. I'm getting close. So I go to spring training. My first year, I get I don't know two bats or three bats. They send me back down, in 74. So the season's over, in 74. They call 11 guys of the big leagues. I'm not one of them. 75, I go to spring training, and I know that I'm gonna get to play a lot because Concepcion and Morgan were never in shape when they came there. They played themselves into shape. Concepcion was always late. He'd have a visa problem if he was in Miami, <laughs> so he's going to be late. So I knew if I so I worked out pretty good that winter. Didn't do weights, but just got myself you know in good shape and uh, went to spring training. Set a record for hits in 1975 for spring training. I went 32 for 90. They kept me. They were going to keep me for until we went to Montreal one day and Pete Rose came up to me and said, Doug, they're sending you down. I said, what did I do wrong? He said, nothing. He just thinks you need to go get some more playing time. So I get up to bat, and uh, Gary Carter was catching. And uh, Gary and I would come up and been through the minors together. And, and I said, Gary, if I don't get a couple of hits today, I think they're going to send me out. And he went, what for? I said, they just want me to go play some more. I'm not playing a lot. And he looked. at we both kind of laughed. Where am I going to play? Morgan and Concepcion playing. I'm not going to play much. And so he said, well, we need to get you a couple of hits. He said, all right, breaking ball in. I went, all right. Sure enough, breaking ball in for a ball. I, I looked back at him since when do you start telling me pitching? <laughs> he said, since we got to keep our guys in the big leagues. That's when. <clears throat> Nobody on wow. base, two outs, fastball away. He said, fastball away. Okay, well, I hit a double. And, uh, and I tell people that story not because that's what happens all the time. It's not. That's just how tight the game was back in those days. If you came up with somebody through the minor leagues and they made it to the big leagues, you wanted to see them stay if you had a good relationship with them. And uh, so then I get up the next time and I said, uh, "Hey Gary, you know, two hits would look pretty nice." <laughs> and he says, "Well, you're on your own." <laughs> and so I said, "I bet he thrown me a breaking ball in again." He did. I hit another double. Not a word was ever said to me or anything. I just stayed. And you stayed from there. Stayed for yeah.
1: That's like that's incredible. I know. And see, I'm going to tell you one. I'm going to try to bring it back to this. Uh, you're a basketball guy. You know Felipe Lopez. Remember Felipe Lopez? Oh yeah, yeah. So Felipe Lopez comes on here a lot. Okay. He lives a few blocks away. and St. John's? Yes, yes, yeah. St. John's. Cover Sports Illustrated. Big East is back. He's yeah. supposed to change basketball. He had a good career, but he never lived up to the cover of Sports Illustrated jumping over the Statue of Liberty, which overhyped him. He always tells a great story that Isaiah Ryder, I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember, J.R. Ryder played mm-hmm. at UNLV. Sure. They're playing one time, and, and J.R. Ryder's like, dude, I'm, I'm like a, b- a big fan. Mm-hmm. And Felipe Lopez is like, all right, well, bro, you better let me score some points on you because they're, they, you know, they're, they're pissed at me. It's a joke. He said, uh, in like the second quarter... Lopez has like four points. So J.R. Ryder tells him, listen, go left like the next few times. So uh, Felipe Lopez goes left, drops like 8, 12, 14 points. And he's like, what are you doing, bro? He's like, listen, I'm not known for my defense. I'm known for my offense. They don't give a crap if I'm doing you a score. <laughs> I let you look good over there. <laughs> Taking care of it. <clears throat> You're dropping names, like Gary Carter, which you eventually played with, and Joe Morgan, Pete Rose. Did you ever appreciate the ride at it, as it was happening? Because you had a hell of a ride. Like, while oh, yeah. it was going on, did you ever say, holy crap, look at the ride I'm no, on?
2: Not as not near as much as I do now. Mm-hmm. I think and we do, you, do you now? Oh, absolutely. The, okay, okay. Absolutely. I've milked this sucker more than anybody. Okay. I mean, there are not a lot of guys that have hit 238 that have a radio show, a TV show, and stuff. I have milked the living tar out of this. Uh, so it, it yeah. I, but I don't think we did then. And now that we all get together, I mean, I was here's a good instance. I was the baby on this team, mm-hmm. and the baby is drawing Social Security, or can draw Social Security. Does that tell you something? So it just uh, I, I, and when I see Joe and Joe or Pete seventy six now, Johnny will be seventy this week. Um, it, it no, I didn't appreciate it because. We th- I thought it was going to go on forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, we after we won in 75, there was so much pressure on those guys in 75 because they'd come close. They were the big red machine, but they never won it. They were like Mickelson before he won the Masters, the best to never win it. You know, 70, they get beat, 72, 73, uh, 75. Now we're going, and there was a lot of pressure, like the seventh game against Boston. But I remember Pete Rose saying – Bad, he says. Yeah, Carbo, hit a he hit a good pitch. He hit a home run. He said. So he said, guys, every kid that ever put on a little league uniform dreams of playing in the seventh game of the World Series. We're doing that tomorrow night. We got our best pitcher on the mound. I can't wait. And I sat there going, Oh my God, getting this much money in the World Series I do with my salary. <laughs> and uh, so you, you're not. And then when we won. It took so much pressure off all those guys in '76. We rolled. I mean, it was just well
1: '76. You embarrassed the Yankees.
2: Yeah, well, you know, you, you Yankees, swapped, yeah, you
1: swept them in '76. We
2: swept them, you know. But but you look at that. I mean, they had they had, thing that was so good about the Yankees. Those guys, and, and I've always appreciated and admired Thurman Munson, and here's why. After this World Series, I didn't play in the '76 World Series at all because. We play. Danny Dreeson's our DH, and other than pitchers, we use no extra players. Sparky, let's win it in four and get out of here. So we go to spring training in '77, and we're playing the Yankees up in Tampa. And I get up to bat, and Thurman's catching. I've never met Thurman. I don't know. He goes, "Hey, Dougie, how you doing?" I went, "Doing good, man. How you doing?" He said, "Look, I want to go to the dog track tonight." He said, "You got a ride?" He said, "Come pick me up." and A we'll bunch of us go to the dog track, and I went, "Okay." <laughs> And, I mean, here's a guy that's one of the – I mean, he had 460 in the World Series, I think, that year. <laughs> and he just – every day was fun. So, I get back to the dugout and I looked at Pete and I said, hey, Pete, that catcher wants me to go to the dog track with him. He said, well, go with him. He'll buy you dinner. And I said, I don't know him. He says, we'll get to know him. He said, Thurman loves to take care of the young kids that are taking care of the game. Wow. And so he had evidently heard that I kept my mouth shut then. Boy, I changed. A little. <laughs> <laughs> but I kept my mouth shut then. But and so I came over, picked him up. We went to the dog track there in Tampa and had a nice dinner. Took him back to the hotel and we go to the room and there was uh, all the guys were in there. I mean Roy White and a bunch of guys were all in there having fun. And so I I said hello and I I remained friends with Roy for quite a few years too. Uh, so it was you know it, taking care of the game. It's the game was special then and. And it's a lot more now, I think, because we're all getting older. You don't see it being repeated as much. You don't see the camaraderie. Shoot, when we go out to dinner, it'd be Billingham and Daryl Cheney and me and Mike Lum. And, you know, we go out in groups of five or six every night. One of the reasons that none of us had a whole lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just what you did.
1: It, it, it's funny you say that because <clears throat> when I watch a game now with Julia, I always feel old because, not to get into politics or anything, but I watch Center and I'm like, they'll show. Oh, so-and-so with three home runs. Look at the play he made. But the Orioles lost 9-3. You don't know the score of the game. They'll show seven great dunks by a Clippers guy. We'll say Blake Griffin. And then you look at the score. They lost by 33. So the individualizing stuff, which bothers me, and I feel old. Like we go to bed at night, and I don't watch TV. And she'll tell you, I listen to old baseball games on the radio. (laughs) I'm like this loser like that. So when you say like the camaraderie of the game – and you're dropping names, but yet you appreciated it and you yeah. uh, you enjoyed the ride. Like when I um like for work, they always say you have a front row seat to the greatest show on earth. That's what they always tell us. And you know, like when and I'm like, okay, I was twenty one when I started, I'm like, whatever. But it's true and I don't appreciate it, but now I do. I'm like, oh, yeah, holy crap, that just happened. Move away, I'm going to the front, and I'm looking at whatever just happened. So as long as you're appreciate because you're dropping names of like the legends and the ghosts of the game, like it, it's it, so cool, like, just it. Well, I want just people to know
2: that they were good people, too, because there's been so much written about a lot of those guys, and most of it is stat driven, uh, because you didn't have your 30 for 30 shows. You didn't have, let's see, like, ESPN started what, 79, 78, 79, around in there. You didn't have da da da, da da not You had game of the week. You didn't have <clears> games <throat> every single night. And now, when I hear them say that so and so's the greatest to ever, you want to say, you know. <laughs> You you might want to go look at some. But there's not that much tape to go back and find. <clears throat> the great players there are. But, you know, I mean, I try to get just some video from the Mets of stuff we did back then, and it's hard to get stuff because they're too busy wrapped up in the 69 team and the 86 team. Mm-hmm. The Reds, 75, 76 team, a little bit, but they the 90 team came along, so they're taking – they really like – With the Nasty Boys and with Chris na- Sabo right. and stuff. <clears throat> yeah. And they so, sold more. That's – yeah. But, you know, it's, it's hard to top what we did in 75 and 76. And, and, but there was some great talent there. I mean, Cesar Geronimo was the best center fielder I ever saw because he made everything look so routine. He only won four gold gloves because you had Gary Maddox and a few other guys, but they were great. But so was Cesar.
1: Was there one player that you thought was going to be a special player, like an iconic player, that didn't pan out for one reason or the other?
2: Yeah, my roommate, Greg Sinatro.
1: And you thought From he was Hartford, going to be a- Connecticut. Okay. <laughs> I love it.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, Greg was the number one draft choice, but it wasn't his fault he got injured. And uh, he had knee surgeries and elbow surgeries and shoulder surgeries. 6'2", about 220. Third baseman, could, had a cannon, hit with power, could fly. Uh, went to a military academy up here somewhere. Uh, is there a Fork Union or – that might not be right. Masau maybe? I don't know. Anyway, he went okay. to a place and he was a stud. And so he signs, and I thought, boy, this guy's got all of it. Uh, but he just kept getting hurt, so he didn't do it. So there was, you know, you see a lot of guys come through the game that throw a mile, you know, ninety miles on an iron, and you just say, wow, this guy can. He's got a great arm, but he's got about a ten cent head. So
1: how cool is it broadcasting games? Because you broadcasted. What'd you broadcast? Like twenty games yeah. last. Year? Did did you do you love it? Because I think that's a I love cool... some of it. What okay? What don't you love about it? I love
2: I... I love not being able to. Um, elaborate on some of the things that I don't necessarily agree with. And they don't want you to do that. Well, it's – I don't want it to – here's what I feel like. If I see something, for instance, the way a guy covers second base, if he doesn't straddle the bag and, say, takes the throw up in front of the bag and he reaches up to get the throw instead of letting the ball travel back to the base, and a guy slides in on a bang-bang play, I'm thinking, man, all he to do is let the ball you know, straddle. The, and you say that sometimes, and when I do, it, the players hear about it. It'll get right back to him. I mean, I said something about to Brandon Phillips one time, and mm-hmm. uh, it kind of went, you know, it didn't go good. He said, we're taking ground balls one day, and I go to spring training, so I was just taking throws at second. And Brandon when it took his routine, and he started going through his legs and behind his back and, you know, out his rear end, and they're just everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I looked, and he says, you guys couldn't do this when you played, could you? And I went, yeah. Well, how come you didn't? And I went, well, let me tell you something. If I was your shortstop, you wouldn't be doing it either. So what you talking about? I said, because every time your shortstop comes to the bag, he is dead stopped, because he's trying to figure out which way the ball's coming from.
1: And he wants to know it's coming from the same and spot he wants every to know time. Same
2: spot every time. <clears throat> I said, and you want that shortstop to be busting across the bag too, but he can't bust across the bag because he doesn't know where you're going to give him the ball from. I said, you'd be giving it to me where I could see it every time. No, man. I guess we'd have had trouble playing together. I guess we would. What? <clears throat> love- that, you know. Whereas when you play with a guy like Tim Foley or Davey. Uh, Joe Morgan, the same way. You know, you talk. Are you talking, Doug, where do you see the ball best? Timmy, where do you want your throws? What do you, you know, and you talk, and it's not about what looks the best. It's about what works the best. And I think that's one of the biggest differences in some of the players today.
1: When Alex Rodriguez came to New York, it was headlines. Like, you wouldn't believe it. It was the city chain, the best trade since Ruth. And they, uh, it was like a throwaway line in the New York Post. Joel Sherman wrote it. I'll never forget it. And he said the first thing he did was ask, I think it was Cano, when I throw the ball, because I'm coming from a different angle now, where do you want it? Wow. And they said it was like the, the bottom line. I just skimmed over it, and Mike, friend, said, Mike and the Mad Dog were like, listen, that is showing it's that big. he knows baseball. That's right. He pulled Cano. Hey, listen, because from up I'm at a different angle. Which way do you want the ball to come? And he said it, and Cano said every time, that ball hit the same spot every single time.
2: Cano didn't care. He turned he no. oh. it, man.
1: He was smooth. <clears throat> oh, Cano was great. He was smooth. Cano was loved here, too. But... Uh-huh. It, you know, he, he played it a little cocky. I love Cano. Some of the plays here you love. He was, he, he was the first player to leave for money for the from the Yankees, so it was always a weird thing. That was the one first play we didn't pay to stay. It was weird.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's going to be interesting to see with the free agencies this year who's going after – who's going to get Stanton.
1: But you're saying the Giants or the Cardinals are going to get him? I know the Cardinals
2: want him very badly. Mm-hmm. Well, who wouldn't want him? But
1: I—he's a monster. He's isn't a
2: monster, he? and and from all indications, he's a pretty good kid too. So why would you not want somebody like that?
1: I, I'm so glad that we got to talk baseball. Now let me ask you a few random questions. Any memorabilia that you kept during the games, like the times you played, anything you kept? Yes. What'd you keep?
2: I have all my jerseys, or I have a bunch of game worn jerseys okay. that I framed up. Um, I didn't collect it I really didn't keep much I didn't keep much did I? When I played I started getting stuff After I got out of the game So I have Some autographed balls Some of my uniforms Um, That's about it I still like to collect Autographed baseballs
1: Oh really? But we don't do Old timers games anymore Did you ever go to Foley's right next door to here? Uh uh-uh. uh When we leave here You're going to walk to Foley's It's a baseball bar And the whole wall Is just all autographs and stuff. Oh really? It's pretty cool Yeah So okay. I got
2: a couple of things to collect. I collect mean, I, I, I used to love to collect Hall of Famer baseballs and now I've just kind of, I'll collect. If I played against you, I want your baseball.
1: That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah.
2: So I, I've got a pretty good collection of those. But no, my mom collected everything. She had every write up from every game.
1: Okay. Listen, last Easter or Christmas, Julie and I, my mom lives down in the Jersey Shore, and we're down there. I'm in the garage looking at stuff, and there was a book. Every time my name was in a box score, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: and, and no matter what, and I came say I was good, I'm sitting here with Doug Flynn, but every time he's like, oh, my, Mike Safosnick went to. Every time I was in, she cut it out, and then she would highlight my name, no matter what it was. <laughs> so if I played, like I played high school four years, so I was in the box score every day. She saved every every time the last name was in there. That's she my saved mom.
2: it. And Brad's run for office, so we got all He ran for sheriff, so we got all kinds of stuff that she saved: <laughs> posters, <and laughs> pictures, everything. So <laughs> Did, were you
1: ever in awe of a player? Like you walked in, like one whole, who Mickey Mantle. You saw Mickey Mantle, and you were like, "Holy!" Cra- it's just By Mickey being a, a collector, okay.
2: And, you know, once you play, there is a certain fraternity that we have as ball players. ballplayers. So I'm aware, though. I'm, I'm, I'm part of this fraternity. <laughs> Cameron's wearing off on him. So what, what, you, what you do, I mean, you put it on. And even if, <clears throat> if you weren't a great player, once somebody knows that you played 10 or 12 years, they hey, yeah. So I collect balls. So we're doing an old-timers game in Louisville, Kentucky. Mickey Mantle is the manager of the American League. Johnny Bench is the manager of the National League. I hadn't been out of the game very long. I was playing some pro softball at the time, and so I get a call that said, Davey Johnson's not going to be able to come. They need somebody to play second base. Will you come? Yeah. So I go up to the game, and Bobby Richardson, dear friend, I love Bobby, and so I'm talking to him before, and I said, Bobby, uh, do you think Mickey might signing a ball for me? He said, Psst. he's had a rough couple of days. He said, uh, but he said, you're kind of on your own. But he said, I don't think he'll mind. So we take this group picture of both the American national together. We're walking off the field, and I go over to – and I said, excuse me, Mickey. I said, I'm Doug Flynn. He said, hey, Doug. It couldn't have been nicer. I said, I have a ball in my glove. Would you mind signing that for me? He said, let's get off the field, and I'll be glad to. So we get off the field, and I hand him the ball, hand him a pin. Now, are you following him right now at this point? i walking right beside him. Yeah, you're not letting him go. You're not letting him leave. No, no, no. I okay. got him. I'm, so <clears throat> we get to the dugout. We walk down in. I hand him the baseball. He's got a pin in his hand, and he's sitting there, and he's shaking pretty good. Uh. He takes a deep breath. He looks over at me. He says, I know I seem a little nervous, Doug, but I've been wanting to meet you for a long time. Stop it. That's Mickey Mantle. And that's a that's just Mickey Mantle being a gracious, gracious oh. man. And he signed the ball for me, and that's the only time I've ever been nervous around you know somebody like that.
1: That's intense.
2: It's very intense, and I'll never forget it. I mean, that was just
1: – And what was it about Mickey Mantle? Because he is, from my father to sports radio to anything you listen to mm-hmm. – he was on a level now when they say, oh, Derek Jeter's here. Mantle eclipsed all of them. Was it more that he was like a normal guy? What was it about Because he mean, had flaws? Is that why people – Yeah,
2: he was, he was the man's man. Mm-hmm. I mean, here was the Mick. He wasn't braggadocious. He was he was humble in being great, but yet he's the kind of guy you'd want to go out and have a beer with or, or, or a few. You know, he was just – A couple. Yeah, everybody just <clears> – <throat> you never heard anybody say anything. Oh, man, oh, what a prick.
1: You never Even heard, if he was, they would never say it. He never said it.
2: it. You know, I mean, like, we named a dog after Yogi Berra because my wife loved Yogi Berra so much, so we named a dog after him. I mean, he was the same way. Yogi was awesome. Those guys were just, and what they went through, and that they set the tone for what the game should be like. And when you don't respect those guys, and I remember Whitey Ford, we were at a thing one night, and uh, my wife looked and says, there's Whitey Ford. And I went, I know. She said, you got his autograph? I said, no. I said, he's talking to somebody right now, and she says, you got to get it. (laughs) And I said, well, you go get it. And she did. She went over, and she came back, (laughs) and she says, i got two, one for me and one for you. Really? I went, and I said, so we got Whitey's, but that's, yeah. Sandy Koufax, I'd never met him until I was at Bob Gibson's golf tournament and met him. What a classy guy. You know, there's there's guys like that that are not – they're getting a lot of good publicity because they were the greatest Mm -hmm. to ever do it. But not near what some of these kids are getting today. And some of them need to humble themselves just a little bit more, I think.
1: Like it, I always love when I watch – like you watch a World Series game. It's like, oh, he has the most home run. It's because we play more games now in yep. the playoffs. Yep. And then you look at stats. That, and I always show Julia. Julia's a sports fan, but I'm trying to show her like, look at the stats these guys had back when yeah. – and you look at them and it wasn't normal. And the way they were so revered and so loved. And mm. so I've never seen – like the way my dad speaks about Mickey Mantle – it's better than his. he speaks about his own family. like Mickey Mantle, the Mick, and they always tell stories like they were in center field for 11 games, and finally Mick turned around and did the tip of that. He remembers, like, oh, they were playing the Tigers that day, Mickey Mantle. Like those small moments are just so appreciated by these Hall of Famers and legends and icons of the game. And it does bother me when they don't appreciate the game now because I love it. I and I always want to say, but my voice means nothing. Your voice means nothing hey, when you're gone in six years, your name's gone. These ledge, The game's still going to go. You're not no, bigger than the game. Willie it's,
2: Mays told me that. You know, when I got here in <clears throat> the Mets, they brought him in to teach Lee Mazzilli to play center field. Now, who played it better? Nobody. So, I remember him being out in the outfield one day. <clears throat> excuse me. And he said, okay. And he had real high voice. He said, all right. <laughs> he said, come here. He said, now, the first thing you're going to do is – no, now after you've already checked out the win, <laughs> no, the second, oh, hell, hit me when I show you. <laughs> and and that, he did it such so instinctively that now to try to tell somebody else, you, Willie Mays couldn't tell anybody how to play like him. He did, I mean, he knew when a breaking ball was going to hit the dirt, he was going to hit it the second when he's on base. He was that good instinctively. And I forget, so one day I was sitting him and said, Willie, you got to be just, I mean, busy all the time. He said, no, man. I said, what do you mean? You're Willie Mays. He said, but I'm Willie Mays, the former baseball player. Oh. And he said, when you get out of the game, he said, it'll change. They find new people to hook on to, which is true. Oh, God, that don't tell
1: me that. That hurts. Yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> but it won't for some of us old timers because we, that's the way we were brought up. We were brought up with the respect. We were brought up to appreciate. And you had to earn it the hard way. I mean, when Brad and I were growing up, I mean, we would our dad worked his rear end off just to provide us with a set of clothes to go to school, a set of clothes to play in. Were we poor? No, we weren't poor. But we everything we had was worked hard for. So when you see kids today that they're handing out stuff to them and, you know, your graduation is a, a car. You're going, Pfft. my sophomore year of college, I'm driving a, in 1970, I'm driving a 61 Corvair. You know, but it's mine, $200. It's mm-hmm. mine. I paid for it, worked for it. I just think we've lost a lot of that. I hope that, uh, and it's that's why now when you see a Todd Fraser or a Jose Altuve or some of these kids playing the game to Mike Trout, who love the game, who respect the game, that's all. I had two players that ever said thanks for going on strike so that we could make a kind of money: Chris Sabo, Kirby Puckett. Really, he, uh, that's all. They came up.
1: I loved Chris. You know, Chris Saban, number seventeen. Did you win number seventeen. Yeah. I, you know, I have no life, Doug, so I'm going to tell you stupid <laughs> random stats. You have no life. I already know that. I don't. Doug, mm-hmm. let me ask you a question because I, I hope I'm not – first of all, I made notes, by the way. I see that. Like a, wow. I, two notes. It, I'm going to ask you a question. I hope you're having a good time because this is – for uh, me, this is the coolest you shit ever. Time, Brad? Yes. Well, Brad okay. fell asleep. We're right. I'm gonna, I want to name a few players and let me know because my – I want to name like four things. Let me know who was better. For me, the best center fielder I've ever seen was Ken Griffey Jr. Mm-hmm. Who was the best you've ever – it might be you agree or who was the best you've ever seen. I'm curious, I always like, because well, I, I, that's why I love about baseball. Like, yeah.
2: Athletically, you could probably say King Griffey. Okay. As far as just making the game look easy, it was Cesar Geronimo. Gary Maddox was very good with the Phillies. Both of those. I mean, was that saying they had about him said uh, three quarters of the earth is covered? You know, how, he, covered yeah, covered they have his. The, the other bit is him. So he he Gary Maddox was tremendous, but so was Geronimo. So Griffey, athletically. Okay, best Maybe.
1: right field fielder for me was like Vladimir Guerrero had like a cannon. Uh,
2: Roberto Clemente, uh, Rocky Calavito.
1: Okay, oh yeah. Okay, okay. Ollie Brown. How about best right handing pitcher? Mm. Uh, ooh, see, I'm, uh, I'm going to say the best I've ever seen, and I'm going to do a small dominating thing. Was Pedro in the late '90s because he was just. I heard he was. Yeah. See,
2: I did. not But the best. I the best pitcher was was Seaver.
1: Okay. How about best left-handed for me? It's for me. It has to be Kershaw. I'm the biggest Kershaw guy.
2: Well, see, I, I, I He he looks awfully good, but I from everything I've heard and just saw briefly it was Koufax.
1: Okay. And how about relief pitch? It has to be Mariano, right?
2: Uh, <clears throat> you know, once again, I, their numbers speak for itself. So he probably would have been, especially I, the postseason but numbers were I mean, just. Stupid. Fingers and Goose Gossage, and you know they were pretty good.
1: Okay. I want one good Dick Gabriel story because I think Dick Gabriel is. So I met Dick Gabriel a few times. Well, now I now I talk I to let him me tell every you day. Story, the great story about because I love Dick Gabriel. I think he's the greatest person ever. I, I love speak to so, he all. Yeah, oh, he's like great.
2: People. Gabe and I have done so many games together. We have such respect for each other. We're on the opposite ends of the political spectrum. Oh, I,
1: I never knew that either. By the way, without getting into politics, I, know. I didn't know he was on one side. Yeah, yeah I'm like, wait, are, Dick, really? But you know,
2: that's that's where <clears throat> Dick is such a pro. That is never he he never lets that come into anything. He's just a consummate pro. He's one of the most prepared people that I've ever seen when he comes to work. Mm-hmm. And he's got <clears throat> a very he's very gifted when it comes to using the English language. I am not. <laughs> but he is uh, and we have a lot of fun with that uh with how I got two stories about game. we're doing a game one night and it's live baseball game and a question came in we had we're taking some questions one and one of them was do you think soccer is hurting baseball in that a lot of good kids that could be playing baseball have gone into soccer and <clears throat> Dick asked me what I thought. I said, Dick, I don't want to answer that. Don't ask, it. Don't ask me that question. I'm not going to answer that. I said, because I didn't play soccer, didn't know soccer when I was growing up. We didn't have soccer. So I don't know how to. if that's yes or no, and I couldn't give you a good answer. I said, don't ask me that on the air. Okay. Welcome back to the University of Kentucky. Doug, let me ask you a question. No. <clears throat> <I> said, <laughs> you son I said, of a bitch. Well, Dick, I said, well, Dick, since you ask." I said, I think soccer is just the beginning stages of communism. <laughs> <laughs> His face, he, got, he looked. So we go ahead and he went, no, really. I said, that's what I think. <clears throat> so we go ahead and we do. We go, now I got people in my ear going, you can't say that. <laughs> so we go to a commercial break and he looks over at me and he goes, what are you doing? I went, "You, have, what did I tell you? Don't ask me about soccer. You ask me? Now, are well, you going to ask me another one about it? <laughs> So we come back and he says, Doug, uh, we were getting a lot of phone calls about your comment. He said, uh, we've got some people here said they've turned off the game and they'll never listen to us again. I, what do you think
1: about that? And I went, well, they're obviously communists. No.
2: <laughs> He's never asked me again. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Lesh, I, I was
1: so envious when Dick would uh, tweet a picture of you and him in the broadcast booth yeah. with the games. Yeah, that, that was... we, have, we
2: have a ball. We've known each other for so long. We don't have to ask. We know where each other going with the game. Uh, and and we just have a good time with it. And that's you know what it's all about. And When we got to do a minor league game of the week with Lauren Gardner, mm-hmm. who is now out in Denver doing a lot of great TV work with Altitude and, and some other stuff. It was just fun. You know, it's a labor of love for him. He loves the game. Oh, I know, I, mean, I know. It. We had another one night. We decided after the game we were going to go get a bite to eat somewhere. We walk into this place, and there's nobody there. And so we have this little bite to eat and sit and relax. Go back. The next night we do a ball game, and we said, let's go back to that same place. There wasn't anybody there. We get back, and it is packed. And it is all young, good-looking men and women. And we're sitting up at the bar, and Dick says – you know what the greatest thing about tonight is? is that what He says, we are invisible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you a cool Dick Gabriel story. So I go down there a few times, Good. and I met him. And every time we met him, I met for <laughs> half an hour here. And now we're like, he's coming up here. I'm spending, I took off three days from work just to show him and his son, his wife, and everybody around.
2: Yeah, You know his son, don't you? Jack. Jack's a yeah. state yeah. Great guy. Yeah.
1: Awesome. So uh, we're down there, and I never went to a, ho- a hoedown. A so, down. Yeah, so uh, uh, a honky tonk. Right. A Honky tonk. Yeah, so I'm down. We ain't
2: been to many hold downs
1: or. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no <laughs> a honky tonk. So Don't say it. I know what
2: you're I, thinking. <laughs> so I'm I'm down
1: in Lex. This is like uh late, last year during basketball season. Wait, wait you, what would you call this? Just the bar? You and call this a honky tonk? No, no, it's just a bar. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm they're like, oh, we're gonna go honky tonk. Um, I wish. I, what's in the famous one in Lexington? Austin Everybody. City. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I have a shirt, Austin City Saloon. That's it. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go. I said, okay. So I go there with this dude and I'm he takes us there, so I'm like, Dick Cameron, you guys are gonna come? Cameron's like, No, Mike, I can't you know. I'm and this is a true story. He's like, I'm Cameron, I can't go there. You know, I d I don't want them to see me at this kind of place. I said, oh, okay, you know, I'll see you guys tomorrow. I'm there. I'm like, Oh it's cool, it's 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 different. Who walks in? Dick Gabriel. Oh, but this yeah. is everyone's like, Oh shit, Dick Gabriel's here. So I'm like, he's like a – everyone walks in, they hand him a can of beer. <laughs> so just hanging out like he's yeah. – he's just – and he'll go there and then we, he took me to some well, – he's uh, been
2: doing it for 70
1: years. <laughs> he's the greatest. And I remember when I went down there, I'm like, he looks really familiar. and like, oh, he's a dude with a beard. I'm like, Dick Gabriel right. with the beard. Yeah. All right. So a few more minutes with you. True or false, did Pete Rose really hook you up with your wife? Because that was – it's on Wikipedia and some other mm-hmm. site. Pete's wife. Okay. So Pete takes credit for it because okay. it lasted 35
2: years. Uh, Blind date Going into Philly to play Pete's playing first Uh, We were going to go to dinner After the ball game I'm with the Mets Okay Uh, Hey Pete Let's go out to dinner No he he called me Let's go to dinner after the game All right. And I say Won't you tell Carol His wife To bring His girlfriend then? Bring somebody So she can talk to Okay So we get on first that night And he said "Uh, Did you see him Come into the game I went No He could tell you Everything went on On the field And off the field I said no I didn't He said "Uh, So meanwhile Pitcher's throwing the home plate he said, I got good news and bad news. All right, what's the bad news? Take my lead. Yeah, well, the girl coming tonight's engaged. Pete, I can get my own dates. I ain't worried about that. I said, I just saw Carol won somebody. I said, Pete, I got to hit and run. What's the good news? <laughs> <clears throat> so they get pitcher gets ready to throw as I'm taking off the second. He said, she looks good. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Is that true? <clears throat> true. We went out to dinner that night, and I knew I was in trouble. I just signed a five-year deal with the Mets. This was 81 strike year, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, this – you know, I was happy. I wanted to finish out here. I wanted to be a part of something special as they started rebuilding, and I loved it. But when Mr. Cashin came in, he started making some changes, mm-hmm. got rid of me and uh, Mazzilli and Joe, They got rid of all of us at the same
1: time. Uh, and when, but, when did you sign the contract with the Mets? <clears throat>
2: after the 80 season.
1: And you would think if you rolled out the contract 85, boom, 86 is when – the cha- that, that, yeah, well, well, they really sucks. didn't have
2: anybody to replace me, but I think Mr. Cashin, because we had won in negotiations, I don't mm-hmm. think he was a big fan. And and uh, they got rid of He just wanted to start over. Okay. I'd love to have been here with that group. But when they brought in, you know, Wally was a young kid. Mm-hmm. Brian Giles ended up playing a little bit there. Uh, but they had Wally in the background. And when Wally came, and uh, he, he was perfect for the ball club. Yeah, I, that I, gritty kind he, of guy. Oh, yeah, he was. He's, you know He brought a lot of fire. He still brings fire to fantasy camp. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I'm a Wally Backman fan. So I, I'm, if I had to be replaced by somebody, that was a guy that I'm quite happy to be replaced by.
1: Okay, so I access to every person who's ever came on my show. Just say the bar's packed. We're here for a Kentucky-Louisville game. It's packed. Doug Flynn wants to impress everyone here at the bar. Who's the coolest person, if you took out your phone right now, that if you texted them, they would write back to you. Because everyone has numbers. I have people on my phone that will never text me back. But I have their number and they're cool.
2: All of my friends text me back. All right. So give me
1: the coolest person in your phone what if did you want. to would say? Let me ask my brother. There, okay. Cause, uh, Who's the coolest person? Who's the coolest
2: person that you know that I know that if I texted. That would
1: impress people like, holy shit. That would shit, get back to he me. He knows. Who? Oh.
2: Well, and people from up here may not feel the same way about the people that are my friends.
1: It's, it's fair, but who, who is it? Let me hear what you All think. Right. And I'll be honest, because I'm, I'm like, no, that guy sucks, or that's awesome.
0: I would know. It's, it's, there's so many different people that give me one that knows.
1: impresses you. Like, oh my god, my brother knows.
0: Uh, not really, because I've never been really impressed. Because I grew up mm-hmm. in the dugout, so you know, and during so you during that became like desensitized,
1: right? Yeah. So yeah. I mean.
0: I mean, I grew up with Johnny Bench and Pete Rose and all those guys because I was a see, young guy. You know,
1: it sucks. Those are two. There was a huge. There was a. See, to say iconic wouldn't he be. So, if you texted Johnny Bench right now, he'd write back to you. If I called him right now, he'd probably answer. See, that's so on Can we call him. <laughs> You're gonna get him on my show. That's what going So if you, so Johnny Bench is probably your answer because that's a great answer.
2: No, it'd be it'd be a good one, but I think any of them. Who who are some of the people outside of baseball? Maybe. Oh. Okay, give well, me. I don't know because he doesn't. Talk, he doesn't I, brag I, about it. I go to his house one
0: day. I don't go to his house very often, and I go in. There's
2: he's there's not there. invited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: there's, a gold, there's a gold medal on his wall, and I go, "When'd you get a Olympic gold medal? I didn't even know he had a gold medal." <laughs> yeah, so, so I mean, that's you know. So Wait, I but how'd know you get the gold medal?
2: Um, See, in in so he's the In, in, 19- 19- in nineteen eighty-eight, they had a uh, Olympic. In Seoul, was 88 Seoul? Uh, well, 88, when they had a Summer Olympic Festival. Okay. And they brought, uh, they were looking for slow pitch softball to be an Olympic sport. So they put together four teams of the 52 top softball players in the country. So they had North, South, East, and West. And I was on uh, a team, we had a bunch of guys off of my regular season team. And then we added a few guys, and we went out and we won the gold medal. As it was an exhibition sport. But some of our guys misbehaved so bad that they're not going to do it. I mean, we had, you're looking at guys that are, you know, 6'6, 6'7, weigh 300 pounds, He hit a softball a thousand feet. But we used a deadened softball, which brought defense in, it played out in Oklahoma City, and, and we won the.
0: He's, since you got a Hulkamania shirt on. Of course. <laughs> he comes to Christmas one year at mom and dad's. He brings Randy Macho Man Savage. With
1: who's him. a Louisville guy, I heard. Yeah, yes. well,
0: they played minor league ball together
1: with the Reds.
2: Yeah, but he's from, he from Florida.
1: Sour so, Florida, right? You never know about him. he's, You know, he shows up. Now, obviously, it's not bragging. I'm. This is my one name drop, and it's not. I'm very lucky that I do this little podcast, and I get these, like, insane guests on. My phone rings at night, and I look, I'm like, oh. And, like, Jerry Cooney, the boxer. Oh, yeah. He calls I'm going to say twice a week. He called me up last week. I'm like, no, I still get like – it's it's Jerry Cooney. But I'm desensitized because I've had so many athletes, celebrities, authors. On. Yeah. Hey, what's up, Jerry? And boy, driving yeah. So he calls me when he's bored just to bullshit. <laughs> and so but he's one of the names I dropped as coolest person. Yeah. But Johnny Bench, good. P. Rose is great. Well, see I cheat though, because
2: I do a golf tournament and No, that's not cheating, no. Johnny Bench and I host a golf tournament with Matthew Mitchell, the women's basketball coach up at UK. Okay. And this will be our thirty eighth year coming up. So when we started when I got involved with the tournament, they had I think sixteen teams. Now we have fifty. So by playing ball and going to other tournaments, I can meet these people, and I start inviting celebrities to come. So, And then, also, Johnny has introduced me to most of the celebrities we know, like in the music business, the Gatlin Brothers, the Oak Ridge Boys. Oh, you can name lady. anybody. I have no idea who they are. Yeah. I, I, Would I, you, get the, do
1: we have to end it. Okay, okay.
2: And so, uh, uh, but like, you know, my tournament, two year, year four last, we had Jeff Foxworthy come, who's a good friend. And, you know... W- it's it's all all those guys want to be ball players and all of us want to be something else.
1: It, it, it's funny you said that because I have a lot of athletes mm-hmm. that come on and they all want to be in the music business. Yeah, That's, oh, I wish I was a musician. And all the the other musicians are like I wish I was an athlete. It's it's funny you know you always <laughs> want to be on the other side.
2: Oh yeah, I, yeah. But so we do that tournament. We bring in. Entertainers to perform. Uh, the, it, we have a really neat show. We raise a lot of money for charity. We raise close to fourteen million dollars now. So we're, we're are doing, you serious? Yeah, dead serious. That's incredible. <laughs> it is. That's pretty good. And it's all for children's charity, so it's pretty good.
1: All right. So we're finishing yeah. up, because I, so I, I didn't do one note, I want to see if there's anything I want to hit on. Let's see. All right. Favorite. Here we go. Other favorite New York moment. Where did you live? Favorite New York hangout. New York media. Here we go. You you played. For, What'd you say? <laughs> you play for yeah. Joby, Joby Hall, Rose Griffey, Spark, oh Sparky Anderson. I remember? Mm-hmm. You want to where are your World Series rings? Where are they? Uh, there's one right there. I, I saw. We to take a picture with that. And my, Which, dad, my dad has the other. Where's your gold glove?
2: It's in my house. It's right love. between
1: the two World Series trophies. You, don't know, where you're at, uh-huh. not, you know what? I already got my cell phone. Yeah, yeah I'm not. I'm not, I'm I'm I, don't, not I, I don't have your cell phone. We still <clears throat> oh, you to don't? each other on Twitter. It's weird. We just, oh. It's weird to see. I Brad, wrote... Brad, don't let me give it to him. <laughs> Memorabilia, Dick Gabriel, Wikipedia, Pete Rose.
2: Yeah, Wikipedia did for years, had me born in Albany, New York. Okay. We finally got it changed. Okay, you
1: know what? Here's the last one. Seeing yourself on a baseball card for the first time. Awesome. Like a real card. Because we all had awesome. the little cheap cards. It little- so
2: cool. It is so
1: cool. How cool. Like to be on a baseball card. It really card. was.
2: It, it's so- My wife had them framed for me one year. I think there's about 30-something different ones, but... It was really a neat little deal. To oh, it's, it's cool. I, I won't lie. Of course, you know, I take so many jokes. I mean, I was not a very good hitter. And I got people say, hey, I got your card the other day. It cost me three cents. <laughs> and I said, wow. And, and you know, your first response is to say, oh, what, how much was yours? See, that, that's what I would say. Would... You know, I've learned <clears throat> to do that. Or if somebody, like I went to a banquet one night and they went, Denny Doyle, Johnny Lamaster, Doug Flynn, three good infielders that couldn't hit a lick. And you just want to say, refresh me. When was your best year in yeah. the big leagues? But, you know, it's – and there's people that bring it up. I had a guy the other day getting on me about something on social media. And the New York – it'll come up all the time about you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that. Like one New York writer once compared my offensive stats to A-Rod's. I said, you know, that's fair. Now compare my defensive stats with A-Rod's. That's all. Just make it fair. Two parts of the game. There's offensive and defense. But as long as you have people in the media that think they can make a buck and they can get on somebody's – so now – I'm not near as sensitive as I used yeah, to be. Yeah, and
1: you know, that's what actually bothers me about media now. It's like you want to do stuff now for clicks and for hits. And for And that's what actually sucks. It, it seems like there's. Um, I don't know if you. You know George Vesey? Sure. Okay, George Vesey came on here. Good oh, man. Oh, he's the good greatest. Good man. He came here. Were you yeah. here for George Vesey, Julia? He was. He's a good man. He would do the show, and then we just talked old baseball. Yeah. He actually goes to Foley's with like um, six other old baseball guys, writers, and they just talk. And I didn't say a word for an hour and he just told me stories. And he would tell me – he's like, I would sit in a bar in New York City and next to me would be Duke's – they would just sit at the bar and you would talk. And then when you saw them leave with a girl, that's it. There's there's no writing about it. And he goes, I knew – I would never write a controversial piece because I didn't want that. My integrity was saying, hey, I'm a baseball writer. But he sat here. We do the show because he actually lived in Louisville for a while. And uh, the show ends. That's right, I knew that. Yeah, and, and the show ends. I'm like, oh, that was great. I'm like, oh, I guess he's leaving. And he sat here for an hour. It was two of us. We didn't say a word. We listened to him talk about old baseball. It was the, well. That's the way the old days used to be. I say, I'm glad we didn't like have like integrity is the yeah. Stuff. It's just no pictures. You know, like no right now it's like, don't. hold on, Doug. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
2: you can go up and see. It sucks, doesn't it? and you can. I mean, whatever. You can blow it out of whack if mm-hmm. you want to. I, I'm glad that we didn't have that because there was enough mess going on. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what the players of today are doing. I mean, you got to be, I guess, so careful. But it's that's knowing your writers and and the older good writers that you could respect, they would take care of that. They wouldn't mess with that stuff because one thing is they wanted you buying them dinner, and the other thing is that they had you know they didn't want to start stuff that was off the field. And it Doug, here's different. the
1: thing: when, in the morning when I get the newspaper still, or if I'm going online, I'm not reading the twelve controversial comment. I want to read. The story. So I'm like, oh, this is an older writer, Joe Smith. I know he writes real stuff. Click. It's a real story. I don't care what so and so said about this political thing or so and so gave the. F- I, I don't care. Warner
2: <laughs> Wolf kind of changed all <clears> the <throat> broadcasting. You remember Warner Wolf? Of course, college- of course. Because I remember him coming on nights we were here. He'd say, the Mets were horrible. Let's go to the video. Yeah. And you go, let's go to the videotape. Yeah, and you go, oh my gosh. And then you write on, we know we're horrible, but. Warner, you're two foot three. I mean, yeah. you, to, you, you can't play the game. So, you know, and, and it's have a little have a little dignity about it. Yeah, we're, we're struggling. We're not that good. But, you know, I, we had a writer up here. I won't mention his name. And he would rip the snot out of us every day. And he kind of talked like this. <laughs> and you boys are just not very good. All right. So, one day we're at spring training and Craig Swan, who led the league in ERA one year with us, they threw hard. Craig was out throwing, uh, and I'm hitting some. And he here, uh, hey, you know, Dung, are you going to hit better this year? And Craig Swan, who's pitching, says, I got an idea. Henry, why don't you get in there and take a few swings? And Henry gets in, and he puts a helmet on, and the first pitch went right behind his head. And Henry went, What are you doing? He said, Henry, every time those guys get up to the plate, that could happen. <laughs> That's just part of the game. And he all, I, he may have messed his pants. I don't know. But he may. <laughs> But, and you're hoping, what, but that he never came around the park as much anymore, but he still wrote bad. But I'm telling you, we were all, that's, you know, come in here and get a little feel for it. So, I Well,
1: I'll be honest, I'm going to finish up. Dude, that was awesome. I had a great, I hope you had fun tonight. I had a ball. Thank My you. friend, Doug Flynn. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mike. Hi, it's Jamie. Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the, hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Here's how to play Sip, Peel, Win at Duncan. Just sip. <laughs> Peel. Win.
2: I want a doormat.
0: Look more closely. I want a dogmat? Put on your reading glasses.
2: I want a donut.
0: There you go. Enjoy a large or extra large coffee for your chance to win from millions of prizes, like JetBlue travel certificates, Fandango movie tickets, or Fanatics gear. Just sip, peel, win at Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. No purchase necessary. 13 plus, ends 10, 15, 18, or while supplies last. For game piece and official rules, visit sippeelwin.com.